I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Morning out. Not the greatest of mornings. We wake up to the, well, we wake up to the news that we digested yesterday that the greatest goal scorer that this country has ever produced or ever is likely to produce, James Peter Greaves, sadly passed away. Your thoughts? Because Jimmy wasn't, you know, just a player, any other player. He was the greatest. And you were lucky enough to wear Jimmy's shirt, uh, his Chelsea shirt, and you were a pal of his as well. So your memories of Jimmy? Um I'd be lying if I said that I was I was a great friend of his. I wasn't. I was uh, I was fortunate enough as a kid. Uh, I remember it goes back to uh, when I was just even before I was apprentice. Before when I was trained at Chelsea as a kid, Jimmy had gone then. I think he was probably in Milan by then. Um, but I remember my dad's best mate used to come round and uh, rave about Jimmy Greaves all the time. I mean, it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and uh, I remember Peter Oscar when he got in the side, he was his hero. He was everyone's hero. And he was because he was, uh, rather than say that he was the best, I think he was, about, he was the most unique individual. You know, he's, uh, he used to score goals that nobody else could score. You know, you, you could have your Alan Shearers along the way. Great goal scorers. They can't take nothing away from the likes of them. But Jimmy was uh, supreme. He was... Uh, he was a man that could pick the ball up on the halfway line and glide past people. I mean, there was nothing of him. He was tiny. Um, he was just so unique and he was a genius. And what I loved about Jimmy and when I got to know him and very, I, I played played against him in my second game for Chelsea. It was my real debut, really. And it was at White Hart Lane. And it was, uh, I remember running on the field at White Hart Lane. I, I played with my debut the year before. We lost 5-0 at Southampton. So, and I hadn't played again for a few months. I got back in. I was thrown into the Chelsea team in the season 60, 69, 70. And, and Jimmy played uh, that night. And it was kind of, I kind of looked at him and he was some kind of inspira- a great inspiration, you know. And uh, and then he, he was just one of those people that you might meet in your local pub, you know, and become friends with. He was, uh, he had that wonderful uh, gift um, I call it a gift, uh, the greatest gift one could be given, I think, it, and and that was modesty, you know. He was so, such a modest man, a uh, humble man, uh, and the greatest goal scorer I've ever seen. And also, when he finished his career, he went on to form another great partnership with Saint and Greasy. We'll come on to that in a minute, but Jimmy, he just had that knack of of putting the ball in the back of the net, which is a great knack to have if you're a striker. But Jimmy never blasted it. It was often pace and place, wasn't it? He was just a true artist that got great balance. They say he used to go and glide. He didn't run past players. He glided past them. He was such a graceful player as well, wasn't he, Jimmy? 
Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know how we would get on today with all these black defenders. <laughs> with them, you know, when they park the bus and they got ten defenders back, I don't know how we would get on the day. But that's that's neither here or there. But uh, I don't, as I, as I said to you before, we went on air. Um, uh, they they'll ne- they'll never really get to the bottom of Jimmy, and they they can write books about him, they can do shows about him. But rather than the Saint and Greasy, I think he should have done a show with Bobby Moore. He was his best mate, yeah. uh, and I remember I told you about three four years ago that uh, that I see a show one night when Jimmy met Bobby, uh, and and it was all about their friendship and how in 1970 when Bobby was left to rot in you know with over the uh, bracelet thing and he was left under house arrest and jimmy was actually in in the driving a car through bogota he was in one of those rallies and he, he and he, he found out about bob and he, he popped in to see him and then he climbed over the wall and up a tree and went in the back door to see him and had a cup of tea with him and and he went, what are you doing sitting on your own? He says, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm in the rally. He says, no, I thought I'd pop in to see you. And he said, well, and anyone else been to see you? He said, no. So nobody has seen him. Ramsey didn't go and see him. The FA never went to see him. Nobody. Only Jimmy went in to see him. And and the lady come, come into the house and she said to him, excuse me, who are you? And... Uh, he says, my name's Jimmy Greaves. He says, I'm doing a, I'm on a rally. He said, no, come to see my mate. She said, well, how did you get in? And he, he said, um, he said, I went round at front. He said, I see all the paparazzi there. He says, I couldn't get through the front gates. He says, I didn't want to be noticed. He, so I went round the back. He said, I climbed up the wall, jumped onto the tree, jumped down. I come through the back door, through the kitchen. And he said, and I found my mate here having a cup of tea. And she said, well, go, she said, when people come in here, so they usually ring the bell. So she said, you better go outside and ring and come in here properly. So she, she ushered him out, put, stood him outside the front door. She said, now ring the bell. And he rang the bell and she, she opened the door. She said, what can I do for you, sir? He said, well, I'm not, my name's Jimmy Greaves. He said, you're, you've got my friend Bobby Moore under house arrest. And she says, well, what are you doing now? She said, I'll come to visit him. She said, well, come in. So she took him in, and Bobby was sitting there laughing. And he and, and he had something they'd never seen before. He had half a beard on him because where he hadn't, you know, uh, sorted himself out. And and she said, uh, "Can I get you a cup of tea, Jimmy?" So uh, he went, "I prefer a beer." She said, "Well, funny enough, I've got a couple of beers in my fridge." And she went out and got him a couple of lagers, and they sat down and they they both started laughing. <laughs> and he was under out, and that was that was the kind of friendship they had. And in in the show when Jimmy met Bobby, uh, they made a pact in 1966 that wherever they were, and wherever whoever they played for on a on a Saturday Saturday afternoon, on a Saturday night, they'd meet in a, the same pub on a in the uh, in the east end and have a beer together and they they kept up to that pack from the from right to the end of their careers and hence obviously Bobby getting Jimmy to sign for West Ham and I think that kind of put the lid on their friendship you know so it's a great story he was he was so, it, Jimmy Greaves you know it's such a great shame he didn't play in the world if you know we England didn't have the best team in the World Cup in 1966 because Jimmy Greaves didn't play. You know, uh, and, and had he played, that really would have, you know, 
we could have been talking them as having five or six world-class players in the team, but it didn't just, it, you know, and when I see, when I see the film of when England won the World Cup and, I, and the camera zooms in on Jimmy, he looked a lost soul, he lost, mm. he looked, he, I know exactly how I felt because, you know, I missed the 70 World Cup and that was devastating for me and I know Jimmy Ma Jimmy was devastated to be the greatest player in the it's a little bit like George Best being Irish and not playing in the World Cup he was devastated every four years being the best player in the world and you've got lesser mortals you know playing in front of you it's devastating and you've done a nice little write-up today um Stoke-on-Trent Jimmy did Jimmy did Waddington bring him to sign for Stoke-on-Trent for a night no, the, the headline there was uh, they were kind of uh, that was that was Stanley Matthews' testimonial. Did he, did Jimmy play that night? Jimmy played. Uh, yeah, it's against Real Madrid, wasn't it? Johnny Haynes played. Uh, Jim Baxter played. Uh, yeah. Tony Waddington got all the best player. I think he might. Have, I think it, it was a lot of the 1966 World Cup players played in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Puskas played yeah. uh, for the other team, Yashin and people like that, you know. That was all down to Waddington. That was a kind of insight that Waddington had, and he wanted to put on the greatest night of all time at the Victoria Ground, and he did it, and Jimmy was a part of it. Um, and obviously Bobby was a part of it. Johnny Haynes, you know. Uh, you know, it, it was only Waddington could do something like that. When you think, you know, we're not talking about Old Trafford here or... Or Anfield, we're talking about the Victoria Ground in, yeah. in, in the back streets of Stoke on Trent, you know. Absolutely. And you referenced Johnny Haynes. And you wore the number eight shirt of Jimmy at Tottenham. And you wore the number 10 shirt of Johnny Haynes. Two of your heroes when you played for England. You scored goals like Jimmy Greaves occasionally. And you passed like Johnny Haynes very, very often and frequently, Al. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember going to a dinner one night and uh, the, the, on the top table was Jimmy Grease, Johnny Haynes, Bobby Robson and someone else, you know, uh, the, they because Johnny Haynes played it at Fulham with Bobby Robson. Uh, so they're all on the top table and Jimmy, I always used to ask Jimmy for his autograph and he used to swear at me, uh, lambast me, lambast me or whatever you want to call it. He always, and I, I would do it. The more he saw at me, the more I'd ask him for his autograph and uh, say, you're my hero. I said, but this night I, I said to him, uh, Jim, I wore your shirt at Chelsea, but I always wanted to wear this shirt. And I pointed at Johnny Ains. I said, I always wanted to play for Fulham and wear, wear his number 10. But I ended up doing so uh, against the Germans. But uh, that was in a poxy old uh, admiral kit for Dom Revy so uh, you know I didn't get to actually put Johnny's uh, Fulham shirt on which I wanted and finally you was at a dinner with uh, Jimmy and Lester Piggott and both of those the greatest jockey and the greatest goal scorer of all time signed your fiver but uh, sadly young Alan uh, spent it on a bottle of wine didn't they so you know we're, yeah, we're never going to find that <laughs> <laughs> well, the other someone, someone somewhere in the world is going to be walking about with that in their pocket, but they would never be able to find out who Lester Piggott is on it because you could read Jimmy's writing because he was articulate. Jimmy uh, Lester could could hardly write, and uh, but it was a fun. It wasn't actually. It was a dinner. It was a sign a, a signing thing in Olympia, and we was in Olympia in London, and 
uh, I was sitting next to Lester Piggott and he kept laughing at me because I was having a banter with the boys and I asked, uh, I turned around to him and he, I said, I, I just pulled some notes out of my pocket and I said, will you sign this? And it was a fiver, I think. It might be a tenner. Uh, I think it was a fiver. And uh, and I said to him, Lester, will you sign that for me? And he, and he kind of sat back in his chair and laughed at me as much as to say... But do you really mean this? Because he, where he'd been in, put in prison for tax evasion, I think he thought I was, you know, taking a mickey out of him. So he, he ended up signing it. He looked like it was Arabic. <laughs> Such was his bad handwriting. And he could hardly talk, could he? Anyway, he signed it. And uh, I had it on the bottom of the fiver. And I was with a girl from Stoke. I took a young lady down with me. And we went down, had a bit of lunch. And I, as we come out the... The, the room where we had a bit of lunch and I, I said, you ain't going to believe this, love. I said, but you see, you, I've just showed you the greatest jockey. Now we've got the greatest goal scorer in the world. And I walked over to him and said, Jimmy, sign the top of this fiver for me. And he told, he swore at me again. And, and I went, no, Jim, please. I says, in front, uh, her name was Tina. And I said, this is Tina. I said, please sign. I said, we've got the greatest jockey on the bottom and I want the greatest goal scorer on the top. Anyway, he signed it. I had this in my pocket for weeks and weeks and weeks. I was down staying at my son's in Wood Green in North London and uh, I decided that I couldn't carry it about with me because I was going to spend it um, or, or afraid I was going to spend it. And I, so I, I, I put a bit of blue tack on it and I put it on the wall uh, for prosperity. Anyway, I came in one day and Alan had finished work a bit early and he was. He had no cash on him, so he took the fiver off the wall and went and bought himself a couple of bottles of wine and sat there and drank the wine. I said, "Where's the fiver?" He said, "I bought a couple of bottles of wine with it." I went, "Oh my god!" So, so where where it is now, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know now, but we know where Jimmy is. Jimmy is up there in heaven with Bobby sharing that beer, um, and God bless both of our greatest players to to wear an England kit and what price would you put on Bobby and Jimmy now they've got to be in the 200 million uh, bracket haven't they Al well we we you know as we say about our old mate George you know there's certain players in the modern game they'd be unbuyable Paul Uh, you you know like Jimmy went for 99,999 because you know if you can imagine Jose Marino being about them days, he would have he would have snapped their hand off. He would have wanted to be the first manager, you know, to, to, for a hundred thousand, you know. Uh, but Bill Nicholson didn't want to be responsible for that, and he, he signed it for ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine for for Spurs from Milan, and uh, uh, just about that that should be on his gravestone, really that number, uh, because that that would probably represent how many millions would be worth today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Udi, till um, our next My Life, My Music, so think about six more tracks. I think we might be looking at 1972. Uh, can I wish you all the best, sir, and have a great day, and we will speak soon. Cheers, pal, and uh, God, bl- God bless Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, every time. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, Al. Tell mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.